0: 0818 715 815 Hello, good afternoon and you're very welcome to Liveline.
1: 51551 is the text number joe at rt.ae 0818 715 815. Well, little did we know at um, 3 o'clock on Friday as we said goodbye for the weekend that by the time we would be back on air now that the village of Chrysler and Donegal and the names of 10 locals would be forever inscribed on our nation's heart.
2: With the consent of the families, Angiardise Corner can confirm the identities of the deceased as follows. James O'Flaherty, 48 years. Jessica Gallagher, 24 years. Martin McGill, 49 years. Catherine O'Donnell, 39 years. And her son, James Monaghan, 13 years. Hugh Kelly, 59 years. Martina Martin 49 years. Robert Garway 50 years. And his daughter, Shauna Flanagan Garway, 5 years. And Leona Harper 14 years of age. Ayeshte Gorevanomika Dealish Gulair.
3: to see you
4: all
3: I'll only stay a while I I'm happy to be back again And greet you big and small For there's no place else on earth Just like the homes of Donegal the door The cattle go.
0: To joe on 0818 715
1: 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. A lot of people contacting us on 51551 and Joe at RT.e about a song performed last night in Milford, uh, an original song by Cormac Freel. Cormac, good afternoon. Hiya, Joe. You wrote a song about the tragedy.
5: I did indeed, yes. Uh, listen, I suppose. Everyone around me was uh, struggling to come to terms with the horrific incident that happened on Friday. Mm-hmm. And over the weekend, the uh, worsening news just kept coming over throughout Saturday. And uh, I suppose on, on Saturday night I sat down and I was kind of processing my thoughts. And I decided, you know, as I sometimes do, I decided to put it into some words um, as I was sitting with the guitar. Mm-hmm. It was a bit of a, I suppose it wasn't a really a planned thing to write a song. It was more of uh, a personal um, exercise to, to talk through it myself and journal, journal my thoughts. And I suppose then it, yeah, turned into the song that you've heard.
1: And poetry and song are ways that people express inexpressible grief. This is Cormac's song.
6: Feeling numb, feeling sore Tragedies come to the door Of such a peaceful, happy place Devastation no one should ever have to face How can we make sense of this When our hearts are broke like this How can we find words to say When ten angels have been taken away We light our candles and pray for those who've gone And think of the others who carry their memories on There are things in this life that are too hard to understand We gather together, hand in hand United with Chrysler, we stand. I wish we could take the pain away and replace it with a better day. We all just wish. This wasn't real It's okay to feel Whatever you feel This tragic loss It leaves a scar It stretches across all our hearts Fathers, daughters, sons and mums You'll never be forgotten We light our candles And pray for those who've gone And think of the others who Carry their memories on there are things in this world we will never understand We gather together hand in hand United with love we stand We gather together Hand in hand, united with Chrysler we stand. That was
1: Cormac Friel from Milford. Before we end the segment, though, we will be coming back to Chrysler later on. Uh, in the programme, I was mentioning poetry. Somebody has uh, sent in a very short poem by Mark Roper, uh, the Waterford-based poet. It's from his new collection. It's called Beyond Stillness. And it reads, it's called Somewhere, and it reminds me of uh, something that I heard from a friend this morning, that the sun will rise again over Chrysler, even though it doesn't look like that at the moment. But Mark Roper's poem is called Somewhere, Somewhere on earth it is always forced light, somewhere birds are starting to sing. The world is washed each day by hands of light and song, as if we did. No wrong. Uh, Mickey Joe Hart. Mickey, good afternoon.
7: Hi, Joe. Hello.
1: Another another great singer-performer from uh, Donegal. A very, very difficult time for so many people at the moment, Mickey Joe.
7: Yeah, I was just you know trying to process it. I suppose um, uh, I was over the weekend. I was just I was travelling a lot, I was gigging a lot down the country, and uh, I suppose that when you're on the go, you were just trying to get the information, and and uh, was the more that was coming in, it was just, it was getting more un- unbelievable as, as as it as it came. But uh, today, I suppose everything's starting to kind of slow down, and um, it's just the realisation of what's going on and what has happened, and um you know, trying to think of, you know, those people in, in Chrysler and their families and uh, knowing a lot of people from the county in that area. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's going to, it's gonna you know, have a, a lot of reverberations around the community. It's a small, tight-knit community, and it's, um, I know Chrysler well, and they have a lot of, you know, relatives in that mm-hmm. area, for Cara and Garta Hark and Downings and those areas that will be very closely knit around there. And, um, yeah, it's just, you know, that's just hard to process at the minute, too, and uh, trying to come to terms with it and, and you know, figure out, I suppose, what's going on. And you were due to launch
1: a new single. Like so many things, it's been cancelled as a mark of respect, but you have, you uh, posted a song at the weekend in solidarity with the, the victims and survivors and relatives of the people of Chrysler.
7: Yeah, I didn't know. I just, you know, I was driving, I was driving from, from Common to Cork and I, I just heard something on the news and by the time I got to the hotel I was able to get some information and then I was, you know, due to go on stage and I just kind of lifted the guitar and sang a little bit of, of Stand By Me. It's just a song that I go to in, in moments like that, I suppose. Um,
4: okay,
1: let's...
7: Sang a little verse and a chorus and that was it. Let's hear it. And the land is dark and the moon Is the only light we see No, I won't be afraid No, I won't be afraid Just as long as you stand Stand by me So
4: darling,
7: darling,
4: stand
7: by me Oh, stand up Yes, yeah, stand, stand by me, stand by me.
1: That's a lovely piece, uh, Mickey Joe. It's a lovely piece. Um, and again, I've heard so many people say there are no words, which is, which is true, but there is music and poetry and things like that.
7: Yeah, help, it's help. an area it's, well known for, for its own music and poetry yeah, and, course. you know, Brady Gallagher and people like Seamus Harkin who would have been character authors and songwriters over the years and, um, you know, it's uh, it was known for lovely ballads and Noreen Bond and Cutting the Corn at Chrysler. There's all these beautiful, uh, this lovely imagery with, with, with Chrysler and it's such a picturesque, you know, place and a lot of holidaymakers would know it from from the north and from I suppose the province in particular. Going there and you know towards Dunfanahy, you have to go through Crisla a lot. And people would, a lot of people would have been in that that phone station over the years. You know, from near and far.
1: Mickey Joe, you're you're uh, down the southern end of um, Donegal in Guidor in our Guidor Arna uh, G studio is uh, Marie Ní uh formerly of Altan, as we know. Marie, good afternoon. In.
8: Hello, hello how, Joe. How, it's a very sad day.
1: Yeah. Um you say you want to do this for your beloved Donegal. Yes. Tell us about that piece.
8: This is um, a lament, not usually sung uh, at any other occasions, but for um, Kinu It's a kinu that Kitty mm. uh, Ní here in, um, in Ngidó wrote many, many years ago and the great Seamus Ennis um, collected and Alan Lomax collect, collected it from, from her. And uh, Kitty's in her 100th year and she's still alive. so. Uh-huh. Uh, she, but she wouldn't sing that unless there was a reason and that's mm-hmm. the first time I ever sang it myself
1: it So beautiful, so poignant um, is, is, is Simon, did Simon come in? Simon Gillespie?
9: Yes, sure. Yes, how is are you?
1: Simon from Gidor, Um and we didn't realise this because you sent, we, we came across your poem and then we spoke to Mairead and she was very keen to do as she said for her, to do something for her, we love a Donegal and uh, we didn't know until the two of you arrived in the studio there uh, that that, you're, that you know each other. That's well. The <laughs> small reminder of how connected we all are and the number of people who would be connected to the 10 people who uh, were killed on uh, Friday afternoon is absolutely immense. Uh, Simon, you've written a piece. Yeah, and sure, I have, v- yeah. Obviously, I can't see, but if Mairead has her fiddled yes, with her. I have, Maybe, I know this is impromptu, but maybe you could play under Simon's beautiful words, just music music, and poetry.
9: Yes, Joe, I suppose to say I, I'm no poet. Yeah. I haven't ever, I don't think, put pen to paper to write a poem before, but like so many others up here in the northwest, West, on, on Friday, there was an overwhelming sense of helplessness as the, as the news broke. And as much as we wanted to do the practical thing or what we thought would be mm-hmm. the practical thing and go and roll up our sleeves and go and help, move some rubble and and be there. Obviously, we couldn't do that. So I suppose on Saturday morning when I got up and and the real scale of the tragedy was unfolding, I suppose to, to come to terms with my own grief and heartache and, uh, and to really, I suppose, to try and process what was going through everybody's heads, it just hit me how quickly it all can change. And that's what inspired me to put pen to paper and to, to, to come up with this. A short piece, okay. uh, and I suppose, coupled with the just the individual stories, Joe. I suppose I could nearly picture what the shop would have been like at yeah. that time. um And and when I put those two things together, it was the a place—a place of such uh,
1: innocence and joy. As we know, when we get into a car, there's a risk. We know when we get on a train, a plane, or whatever, there's some risk. Or but when we yeah. go into a shop,
9: it's the normality of a Friday all, Joe. afternoon.
1: Mm-hmm. The least risky thing we'll ever do in our majestic lives, to have it end so suddenly and so tragically and so uh, randomly. So, if Meread, if, Maureen, if yes, you can think of an a piece to start yes. with and play it throughout the poem and then continue it after Simon's poem, do you have a name on your piece, Simon?
9: Well, I, I just simply called it. It changed in a second, and okay. that'll become apparent.
1: Okay, Meread, you go ahead, and Simon will follow.
9: It changed in a second. The relief of another Friday. Another week's end. It changed in a second. Talk of passing heavy showers. But it's that time of year, I suppose. It changed in a second. The nod and wink. The quick muttered, how are you, between passing neighbours. It changed in a second. The daily stop for milk and bread and Maybe something for later. It changed in a second. A weekend treat after school, a skip and a hop, the excitement of choosing. It changed in a second. Discussions of weekend plans between co workers counting down the clock. It all changed in a second. To utter devastation. To lives collapsed. To the shattering unknown. The mundane turned to rubble. To candles and prayers. And silence.
1: That was absolutely... Beautiful. Betty Mitchell is in Birmingham. Betty, good afternoon. Good
10: afternoon, Joe. I, I'm so sad for those people. Yeah. I really am. My heart goes out to them and I'm sure all your listeners here in the UK would want to pay a tribute to all mm-hmm. families and the whole of people. It's just so tragic, Joe.
1: And I see that your king has issued a statement as well.
10: Yes, yeah. You know, you know Joe... And he he I,
1: mentioned uh, the fact that himself and his wife... Um, visited Donegal in what two sixteen I think it was. Yeah,
10: um, and I was th- I was there. Would you believe with Paddy in t- twenty sixteen? First time ever. We had three beautiful weeks up in Mobile. It was lovely. Absolutely, and people were so beautiful in the supermarket there in Mobile. They just they'd stand on their head for you and do summer rolls. They were so good.
1: This is what your king said within the last hour or so. My wife and I were filled with immense sadness. When we heard of that appallingly tragic explosion at Chrysler County Donegal, we remember with the greatest fondness meeting people from across Donegal when visited in 2016 and the strong sense of community that exists here and exists there. However, however inadequate this may be under such shattering circumstances, we wanted you to know that our most heartfelt sympathy and deepest condolences are with those families and friends lost their loved ones in this devastating tragedy, together with yourself. He's addressing it to O'Callaghan here and and the people of uh, Ireland. That's signed by John uh, Charles. Um, and I, I think he was right in saying how, however inadequate this may be, under shattering circumstances, we all feel uh, so inadequate. You ha- you have a piece you want to read, Betty? Yes, I
10: have. It's a prayer by the priest Henry Noon. And actually, I've been using it, given it, because I go to a hospice every week to visit people who, you know, in spiritual care. And I give them this little prayer, and they all say how helpful it is. But anyway, it says, hope. Hope means to keep living amid the desperation and to keep humming in the darkness. Hope is knowing that there is love. It is trust in tomorrow. It is falling asleep. And waking again when the sun rises. In the midst of a gale at sea, it is to discern land. In the eyes of another, it is to see that they understand you. As long as there is still hope, there will also be prayer, and God will be holding you all in his hands.
1: Thank you so much, Betty.
0: Uh, Betty is in Birmingham in England. We'll be back after this break. But, Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. We'll be returning to the Creaseless Tragedy before the end
1: of the programme. Joe at rt.ie 51551 is the text number. Um, But at the end of the programme on Friday, I said, and little did we know what was about to befall that beautiful village and those beautiful uh, people within 15 minutes of us finishing on Friday, uh, that we will be talking about endometriosis again on uh, Monday, such as the uh, level and the people that we, who phoned in and emailed us. We contacted them all this morning, and each one of them began by uh, mentioning the tragedy of the weekend. But I want to go back to the... Uh, because cause of the overwhelming number of uh, women that are contacting us about this. Eamor and Eamor, good afternoon.
11: Hi, Joe. How are you?
1: You're off work because of the pain.
11: I am, and can I just say, first of all, it's going to be very hard to um, yeah. talk about all this now in the context of what happened in yeah. Donegal weekend, and, I you know, people yeah. from the Taraway as Lexford are all feeling the pain in the community yeah. in Donegal and lots of love okay. and hope and prayers.
1: Well said, well said.
11: Um, yeah, no, God, even listening to the music there was very, um, very touching, so thank you for doing mm-hmm. that. Um, but yes, off work today, uh, unfortunately due to endometriosis and adenomyosis.
1: And you're planning to go to the UK? Um,
11: yes, yeah, I am. I am currently seeing a specialist in the UK um, because I've exhausted all avenues in the Irish health system uh, in relation to this. Um, I was diagnosed in 2009 when I was 23 years of age. Mm-hmm. Um And have had many laparoscopy surgeries, as your other callers did, and spoke about on Friday. I've had all the hormonal treatments, drug treatments. Was gearing up in March of this year to have an ablation surgery where they were going to burn out uh, the lining of the wound, try and ease it. To be told by a gynaecologist in Ireland that um, I was too young and she wasn't willing to do it. um, that I was to take two sets of tablets every month. Uh, not covered by the drugs payment scheme would have cost me about €200, €250 euro a month and to just get on with things.
1: And you tell us in your in your um, email that you're a teacher, 35 I years am, of yeah. age, um, and you passed out in school two weeks ago.
11: I did, unfortunately. Now I'm, I'm very fortunate that I have um, great support in school from my principal, senior management and my other colleagues since I've opened up to them about what's been going on with me. You know, I wouldn't have spoken to a lot of people for a long time about it because it is known as a silent illness. Yeah. You know, it's it's bad periods. It's, you know, just get up and get on with things. And as much as I've tried, I haven't been able to. Um, that day in particular, I had just... I'm a home economics teacher and I had just finished a practical class with my second years. Um, they had made a, a beautiful paprika chicken and um, luckily... They had left the room before I passed out and um, a colleague came into the room then to teach her class next and found me sitting on the floor um, and I was so embarrassed I didn't even tell her that yeah. I had passed out, I just told her I wasn't feeling great um, and was brought out by, by some of the staff, um, in front of the students, doubled over in pain
4: yeah.
11: and sent home.
1: You say I was diagnosed with endometriosis in two thousand and nine. It has ruined my life. I've been fobbed off with with it, by every gynae I've met, exactly like all the other women that have spoken yeah. on the programme, I've had multiple surgeries, thankfully, I've two beautiful children, but I've no option but to go now to the UK uh, to a specialist because gynae's will not help here and their waiting lists are huge uh, in Ireland. Women's reproductive health is completely ignored in Ireland. Why, why do you say that,
11: Eamon? I suppose it's been it's been thirteen years. Um, I, was, I was thinking this morning and um, counting up the amount of gynaecologists that I've seen here. It's six um, in thirteen years. Um, I think the main problem that I've been encountering is that gynaecologists there's no there's not enough specialists in the area of um, endometriosis mm-hmm. and adenomyosis in Ireland. Um, gynaecologists are dealing with general benign illnesses with. Um, of the womb, the reproductive um, organs, and all of that, um, and we just don't have the facilities in place in Ireland. Um, you know, I know we have um, a fantastic facility in the Coombe, but with one in ten women in Ireland having endometriosis, mm-hmm. uh, you can imagine the waiting lists um, to get even to access a, conf- um, a consultant to talk to them about treatment or or anything like that, and. It's just, I feel like I'm banging my head off a brick wall. Yeah. I was feeling like I wasn't being believed, that the pain was as bad as it was, or still is, sorry. Um, you know, and just fobbed off an awful lot because of my age, because.
1: Because you're, too, you're too young. To
11: par- yeah, I'm, I'm 35, I'm 36 near the end of the month. Um, I just feel like they try to focus on that one week of menstruation and they don't look at the rest. Mm-hmm of your life in that month.
1: Eamon, stay stay with us. Uh, Amy is there, Emma is there, Mickey is there, Amy Burns. Amy, good afternoon.
12: Hi, Joe, how are you?
1: Uh, I'm good. Uh, how how? What age were you when you started having this pain?
12: Um. Well, it basically all started when I had my very first period when I was 14. Mm. I'm 28 now, and I first thing that I remember that comes back when it comes to endometriosis is I was 19 years of age and I woke up one day in this horrendous pain and it never went away and I was diagnosed when I was 19 I was diagnosed when I was 19 and I'm still fighting to this day to be hurt it's horrendous it is no way for any body in this world to live for any woman to live And, you know, the lady before, I agree with absolutely everything that she said. It is like banging our heads off the wall, like, just constantly. You know, I've gone to every gynecologist that I can think of. Mm
4: -hmm. I
12: have begged. I've sat there. I've begged for help. You know, I have a five-year-old son. And, you know, it is just an endless cycle of every month, you know, fighting to be heard. And to be listened to, you know, and it is, you know, since I had my son, you know, I've gone to four different gynecologists and everyone, it's the same, you know, it's like you're only 28. And most of the time I have been told myself, you know, it could it be in your head, you know, have you gone Mm. to get counselling? Have you talked to a therapist? And, you know... You do, at point, you do sit back and go, you know, is this in my head? Am I imagining this? You know, and then I reached out on social media and I found the likes of Kathleen King, who got in contact with me and she was like, this is not in your head. Mm -hmm. We all, we're all in this together. You know, and it is a little community that we all have, which is amazing to have. But it's not enough. You know, we need to be heard. Our lives have been taken from us, from this disease you know, when I'm due my period, I am planning 12 days ahead of my period that, you know, I have help with my son. You know, that I don't have plans to go anywhere to see anyone or to go out of my home because I know I'm going to be bedbound. I'm going to be in so much pain that I'm not going to be able to literally help myself to the bathroom without asking somebody, could you please help me? And it is debilitating it is embarrassing and it is awful what we have to go through and to tell our story you know I think the other girls would agree as well that when you go to a gynecologist and you open up and you're raw and you're telling them you know the most detailed little things about your personal life that are not easy for every woman to open up about and they're shutting you down before you even finish speaking. You know, and it always comes back, especially with myself, I know, that it always comes back to my age. You know, they're like, you're only 28. I'm like, I'm 28, but my life, I don't live a 28-year-old life. Yeah. I can't even drink alcohol because I'll get a flare-up and I'll be in excruciating pain, you know, let alone go out and have a social life.
1: But you, were, you were diagnosed yeah. with stage 3 yeah. endometriosis. I
12: was.
1: But what? So, what was the treatment you were offered?
12: The treatment that I was offered, I had a laparoscopy where they ab- ablated it off, they burned it off, and then it was hormonal treatment. And I went. I was on so many pills. I can't even count how many pills that I was mm-hmm. on. And then it just got worse and worse and worse to the point that you know I was vomiting i was just so sick i couldn't function so my doctor who is was the same as me you know she was like i don't know what to do you know so we ended up going down the route of putting me into the medical menopause when i was 26 and it didn't help my pain at all unfortunately and it just my mental health went so so downhill that I'm only pulling myself back at the moment you know I'm only getting there now mm-hmm. you know I had to come off it but it was always just hormonal treatment you know and I've tried every hormone pill every everything that you can think of like the lady before me I've tried it all you know it's not the answer it doesn't help it doesn't work you know and it's just such a Awful, awful disease to have because, as Emer said there, it is, you know, a silent disease. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's, and it is very hard for women to open up about it because some people, you know, want to know and will, like, you know, listen and everything. But other people, it's like, you know, oh, it's a bad period, you know, like, you don't talk about that, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, okay, but this is, this takes over so much of our life. Like, you know, it takes over our daily lives. you know? Like, I'm a makeup artist, and that's what I've always, like, I tried to kind of delve more into getting my career going, and I just had to give up because I can't stand long enough yeah. to actually do it with the pain in my legs. That's coming from my will. you know? And I'm lucky if I can get one week out of the month that I'm half-functioning enough that I'm able to, you know, properly play up my son and to actually live a so-called normal life. And other than that, it's just, every day has to be taken day by day.
1: And when you wake up in the morning? From the the
12: time I wake up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, from the time,
12: okay. Literally, I mean, from the time my eyes open. Till the time that my head hits the pillow at night, you know, I have to sleep with hot water bottles. Hot water bottles are scarring on my stomach from burning myself with hot water bottles because heat helps me. And there's many times that I've literally just put heat packets on and then hot water bottles on top of that, you know, just to try and give me some sort of relief. And it is just, it's horrendous. You know, and they all, like, I will always get the question of, you know, is, does anybody else in your family have endometriosis? And they don't. You know, my mum doesn't. My sister doesn't. You know, unfortunately mm-hmm. I do. You know, but I am lucky that I have such amazing supportive women around me. You know, and I'm so thankful for that. But it is just, at the end of the day, you're just going around in a circle, wondering, you know, kind of, who will I go to next? You know, what gynecologist has left for me to go to that might hear me.
1: And to use that phrase from Amy on Thursday, are you regarded as an unreliable witness to your own suffering?
12: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I heard one of the girls saying there, I think it was Amy said that on Friday, and it's so true. Don't, when I pass, don't say rest in peace. I want to rest while I'm living. Yeah. Because it's not fair.
1: And um, Barbara, um, um, you, you've, I know you're something on in the next few minutes, but Barbara, you're, you're uh, again, very young, 30, um, and you're awaiting a hysterectomy as well.
13: Hi, Joe. Um, yeah, I am. I'm awaiting a consultation for a hysterectomy currently.
1: Because of endo.
13: I have endometriosis and a new diagnosis, adenomyosis, okay. so I have the two combined. Um, which I only got diagnosed with after I had my little girl, who's won there last week. Um, and I have been suffering since I was 16 with my periods. Nice. Well, I've been suffering since I, before then, but when I was 16, my mum actually brought me to a private appointment to try and rectify the issue where she was told to, um, once I have kids, the pain will go away. Um, and we paid €250 Euro for that appointment.
1: And how did that prediction work out?
13: Uh, well, it hasn't. It escalated and <laughs> got worse, unfortunately. Um, and this is where I'm at. My only course of treatment, unfortunately, is a hysterectomy because we've tried all other avenues. Um, so, yeah, that's it.
1: And you were told as well, the same as Amy and Emer that and all the other, God, was bad, just a bad period, get...
13: I was Get told I had it. bad periods from the age of twelve. I still remember my first period and the pain. Um I was missed a week of school every month. Yeah. Um, because of my periods. I've missed work, um, now unfortunately I'm self employed. So my only course of pain relief now is severe painkillers, which obviously come with their own
4: yeah.
13: burden as Side well. Effects, um yeah. And this is all while awaiting the treatment. Now I did actually look to go public because unfortunately I don't have health insurance like many others in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And the waiting list I was told in A and from the hospital was um three to five years to be seen.
4: Oh
13: um so unfortunately we've had to come up with the money ourselves and I have to go privately because I actually can't live with this pain. Um my family can't live with me in this pain either. It's horrific and it's absolutely debilitating and it's taken an awful lot of my life and my kids yeah. my t- attention from my kids
14: so
1: that's barbara amy uh mickey mickey good afternoon
14: hi joe
1: um i hope the line gets better what what you say endo is like velcro
15: yeah it's the way i would describe the pain is that the endo is very sticky and it sticks my various organs together. Yeah. And then when I have a cramp, it feels like they are being ripped apart. So it literally feels like there's a white-hot pain and someone is trying to tear them apart.
1: And you say there's no joined-up thinking in women's healthcare in Ireland.
15: No, I mean, I was first, I first went to see a doctor when I was, I think, 14 or 15. I remember going into the rotunda for a scan and being told that they couldn't see anything on the scan. They couldn't figure out why my periods were so sore and that they would probably just even out as I got older. And then as I got older, they didn't. And I went to see another specialist, again, privately, Mm -hmm. um, who told me that I had polycystic ovarian syndrome and... Put me on the pill and i reacted really badly to the pill i had a period like constantly for i think it was like 12 weeks it just okay. didn't let up and for the whole of my 20s it was just misdiagnosis after misdiagnosis after misdiagnosis and at one point i was in i was living in new york at the time and i went to see a specialist who told me that i was going into menopause at 22 and that if I ever wanted to have children, I would have to freeze my eggs immediately. Mm -hmm. And I cannot tell you how much money has been spent trying to figure out what was wrong. And the only way I have been able to get access to treatment is because my parents have provided me with that. Like, I, one year, I've now had three laparoscopies, and the way I was finally diagnosed, I went to see a GP in Dublin um, about a painful bladder, And he just happened to know someone in the coom who he thought might be able to help me, sent me up to see this specialist. I went to see her and she was like, yeah, I don't think you have PCOS. I think this could be endometriosis, let's do a laparoscopy to check. And then I had a two and a half hour operation for her to remove all of the endo from inside. And I, some of your callers have spoken about having ablation. I haven't had ablation. I have something called cold scissor excision, where they kind of root out and remove the whole of, of the disease. Yeah. But then it grows back in yeah. different places. <laughs> so it, it, it's like you're constant, it's like playing whack-a-mole with the body. You're just constantly trying to find where it will come next. And after my first laparoscopy, I got about two years respite, and then the pain just started coming back. And I remember I was walking, I lived in Portobello and I was walking Mm -hmm. to my job in Smithfield. I was walking down the road and I just, I was having so much pain from every time my foot hit the pavement that I had to actually stop and get a taxi because the reverberations of walking were causing so much pain that I couldn't breathe properly. And there's no, you know, if I went to the doctor and said that, there, you know, it's beyond what doctors seem to understand and i'm very like i feel very lucky i've been very supported by the medical staff that i've had and i have incredibly supportive parents and kind of friends and family around me but without that i would have gone mad like you, you start to feel like you start to feel like this can't possibly just be physical pain like yeah. surely something else is going on. Like surely I am dying. Something has to be happening. This can't just be a period. Yeah. And it's, it's heartbreaking. And, okay. you know, listening to all of your callers, I'm quite jealous that they have all managed to have their kids because I'm 35 and that hasn't happened yet for me. And I now have to, I got into a car crash a few years ago And the settlement from that car crash is now going to be my pot of money that I used for IVF. Because there's no, there is no other option. I don't like, you know, the only way I can do this is privately. And I know the government has said in the latest budget that they'll provide IVF. But I don't know when that'll come in. I can't really afford to wait. So I'm currently waiting on a scan in November to tell me if my gynecologist thinks I need to have another laparoscopy and before trying to conceive or if I can go straight to it. And it just, it feels like everything hangs in the balance. And then, listen to what, what the last woman said, the amount of support I will need to raise the child, because yeah. I, too, look at my period planning app, and I go, okay, so that's the week I'm going to be out. Yeah. And I plan around that. And I, I literally plan my life around whether it's ovulation week, where I have lots of energy and my pain is at its lowest, or the week before my period where I'm exhausted, or the 10 days of my period. And that, that's the rhythm of my life, and that's how I have to do it. And again, I'm, I'm incredibly lucky that I have a financial safety net and have sure. had it since the beginning, because yeah. otherwise I would never have been diagnosed. Like, I, I just simply would never have been diagnosed. I moved from private public for my gynecologist, and I went from being able to see her four times a year yeah. to being told there's a 52-week wait for the first appointment, and then you can't have your scan done the same day as you go in for your appointment. Then you have to get a scan, you have to try and find a time that they can fit you in for a scan, and then it might be another two or three months before your appointment, then. So your scan might already be out of date. And then you get passed on to a pain specialist. I like I did an entire pain management program with the very specific goal that I needed to come off some of my pain medication in order to be able to get pregnant. Okay. And then I needed to have enough of a pain management strategy in place to then be able to not just carry the pregnancy, but then have a baby, live with a child, have a toddler who's running around and all that sort of stuff and I need to physically be able to carry them. And I was told is by one pain specialist who was 250 euro that I needed to do something called tapping, called emotional freedom technique, where you just tap and let you tap your head and you tap your shoulders, and you tap your belly, and then you tap your knees, and it's supposed to help you redirect the pain. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's not what I need.
1: Yeah. How did that <laughs> that's go? Not what I need. How did the tapping go?
15: I, I tried it. It didn't do anything. Yeah. And then I went to another pain specialist who put me on a pain management program where I was the youngest person on the pain management program by a long shot, and there was no understanding that this is a cyclical pain. So you know that they they kept talking about like you know when you have a flare up. And I'm like, well I'm confused by what you mean by a flare up. Do you mean my every month cycle of pain yeah. or do you mean when I have an extra flare up? Yeah. And they're just they they couldn't understand what I was talking about. And so it it just it didn't work.
1: Because it's so, non-stop and it affects every part of your life.
15: Yeah, and it 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 affects things like I sleep more than other people do. Yeah. And people kind of laugh because I can nap absolutely anywhere. But if I have a 15-minute slot where I'm not doing anything, I will just lie down and go to sleep. Yeah. And yeah. I can, I can that's, that's like my one superpower that has come from all of this is that I can just sleep anywhere because my body needs that rest. And it affects everything because like it affects your relationships. At what point do you tell someone that, you know, you have this disease. At what point do you point out that it can cause sexual dysfunction? You know, I mean, you know, as as one of the other callers was saying, you know, there's so many intimate details of this that you have to talk through with doctors. And there's just very little help to deal with all of that. And it's also just not spoken about. I mean... I just, I, when I look at, you know, I have a friend in Finland, and they have an expression there called kokonaisus, which Mm. means the whole person. And endo is not just a period disease. It's not just a disease of the uterus. It is an all-body disease of inflammation. And I remember once, I have asthma as well, and I remember once asking my asthma specialist, If my endo could be affecting my chest. And he laughed. Like, he just laughed and he was like, no, that's a bit far fetched. And just, it was so dismissive. And I was like, well, surely if I have inflammation here, that can affect other parts of my body. Or because of the inflammation here, resources are being sent, you know, to my pelvic region as opposed Mm. to, like, I, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But. The fact that a patient was coming to them and saying, look, I have this other really serious disease. I'm wondering if there's a an association between, like, flare-ups with my endo and flare-ups with my asthma. Is this something we could explore? At the very least, I expected him to listen to me and walk it through with me. But
10: and there was none of that.
1: And you're not the first caller to say over the last four or five days that if, if I... Embark on a new relationship. I one of the first things I have to say to my partner is that I have endometriosis, and what is a, and the effects it can have on our relationship.
15: Yeah, and that's a hard thing to discuss. You know, do I put it on my on my dating profile online? FYI, I see that you enjoy hiking on a Sunday. I will not be joining in. (laughs) But you know, it's it's hard. And then you have you can have any like another like health complaint and you go in and they're saying, Oh, you need to do this, this and this and you go, Oh, physically I cannot do that Like that's just not something that I'd be able to do And then you're seen as being lazy or difficult or resisting treatment or you know, I was I can't go on the hormonal pill anymore and I've also been told that having a baby would solve all of my problems. But they know when like for a start, when a doctor says that to you when you have a condition that can cause infertility is really hard to hear. And on top of that, I'm sorry, who is going to support me if it doesn't work? Oh. As your last caller said, who is going to help with the childcare on the days when I just can't do it?
1: And why Why is it not being diagnosed? Why is it not being treated enough? Well, I, of course I
15: mean, I think that to begin with, there just wasn't the information. So I'm 35 now. I first went to see a doctor about my periods when I was 14 or 15. So I just don't think that they knew much about it back then. Now there is absolutely no excuse. Like, I put it as my first medical condition on every single form I go in or anywhere that I have an intake form. I am very vocal about it with people in my life and I speak about it and... I, I don't understand how the medical profession has not felt this in a more comprehensive way. And they keep talking about it. Like, they said that there was going to be an endometriosis center of excellence opening. Mm-hmm. But then I was never referred to that. I've been told there's a new specialist in Hollow Street who I can go and see who specializes in pelvic pain and endometriosis. Again, that hasn't materialized. Like, all these things are said... And then, you know, you get the also, oh, of course, you know, do you eat wheat? And, like, okay. if one more person tells me about turmeric, I will lose my mind.
1: Turmeric, yeah, yeah, yeah. Turmeric, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just,
15: everybody says, yeah. oh, turmeric is great for that. I'm like, I, I don't care. <laughs> that, that That is not going to help me. If you have period pains that turmeric can help with, we are not the same. Yeah. That is not, yeah. that's not endo. And okay. so from, like, I just, I have spent 20 years dealing with this, and I've gone both public and private, and the public system is not set up for long-term recurring issues. You go to see a public um, pelvic floor physio, which was life-changing for me. Pelvic floor physio was one of the best things that I've ever done, and the public system, they give you six sessions, and you're done. And it's kind of like, now you go deal with the rest of your life like that. Whereas every month, I am getting pain. And every month, I could do with having a pelvic sore physio session. Okay. And so I have to pay 77 euros to go privately. And that, that's just a huge amount of money. And one year, I totted it up. I spent over 7,500 euros on
1: medical treatments relating to endo it's unending hopefully hopefully uh, I, 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 hopefully you will be the, the main thing we can say at the minute hopefully women be will be regarded as reliable witnesses by the medical profession to their own suffering which doesn't yes, seem to be happening. okay mickey thanks thanks indeed
0: mickey um, thanks very much. thank you so much joe at rte.ie Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 818 i
1: And back to the Chrysler disaster. Uh Maureen Ward. Maureen, good afternoon.
14: Hello, Joe. How are you?
1: Good, thanks. And and you're from Downeys, which is near Chrysler, and Yeah. Um, as 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 we know, one of the workers in the shop, uh, very, very highly, Martina Martin, highly regarded and much um, loved. But you, you who was it, one of your did one of your relations used to work in that shop?
14: Uh, well, she worked in the post office next door. She used to oh help out, you know, on the post office. But yes, my sister, yeah, that's right. She, you know, she helps out sometimes. But, she, you know, she would have known them and we would all have been in the shop at some point, you know, on passing. You know, as you go over to uh, to visit Ards Forest Park, and all. you know, we'd be calling into the shop regularly, and for the, and then for the petrol, and every now and again, you know, I would know them all, <laughs> I know that the people who own the shop, and thinking of all those people at the, at this time, you know, the owners, and the, all the people who were lost in it, and all the people who were injured, and you know. You just feel for them, I don't know, at this time. And I just wanted to thank you for your Louis bit at the beginning and your show was a beautiful song and that lovely poem that was on at the beginning. It was lovely. Mm-hmm.
1: And Maureen, you say <laughs> yeah. ev- everyone can identify with someone in this tragedy.
14: Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that earlier because I thought, there's not a mother that hasn't gone in, you know, maybe on a Friday or, you know, on mm. a treat day. And, you know, mothers of their sons and, you know... My father was his wee girl, and yeah. I don't know, just, you know, the fella who was in, maybe about to buy a lot of chicken, one of those poor men, he was getting that takeaway, and yeah. he just went up to get, you know, it just it could happen anyhow. Like,
1: that it was Martin McGill, who had just been into the chemist up the other end yeah. of the village, as you know, to collect his yeah. the prescription for his mother, who he was who caring for. Um, That's my
14: sister knew him, actually. He used to come into the, you know, to get, you know, the way you do, you go in to get your lasso tickets and all that. And she was just saying he was just such, such a cheery fella. And she remembered him now. She knows him and she knows some of them. My niece's husband was teaching the school at the Mulroy College, so he's affected in his way as well. 'Cause he, you know, he knows some of the people up there. So, you know, like we're I'm living about there's a seven or eight mile away, and like you know, there's an knock on effect for the whole area, oh, all the towns and villages around, So, I don't know. It's just a, it's just a, one of those things, but it's just so tragic, like. But anyway.
1: And for ten people to be taken from such a small population—what about hundred people in the I in know. the village and surrounds um, yeah. it's just an unimaginable oh. figure.
14: Oh, unimaginable yeah. figure. Yeah, I know. I was just thinking, like, and it's great to all the you know the, all the supporters come in mm. from else, You know, like even Prince Charles and the Pope and everybody and the President and. You know, from the smallest and most insignificant significant person to the most important. Yeah. There, there's hardly anybody who hasn't, you know, been touched a little bit by this. In the middle of a lot of other things going on as well, we've got the, all the poor Ukrainians and, yeah. you know, the wee children out and, you know, but this is our wee tragedy and our wee corner for now, I suppose. So we'll have to be thinking. We're praying and thinking for them all, and I just want to, you know, send all mm-hmm. my... That's sad, Maureen. And, can con- know, but, you know, okay, and
1: condolences to you and everyone in the area and indeed beyond yeah. the the lives lost, as the Indo said today. The lives lost—fathers, mothers, sons, daughters.
14: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. That's what I can. I think something different about this. It's just there's every every kind of person I mean, isn't there? yeah. There's, you know. And thank Father John, uh, Joe and the Bishop as well, yeah. and all of the ministers, all of them who helped and They're doing their best. And that's, that's the time after it's going to be the hard one yeah. as well.
1: Fathers, yeah. mothers, sons, daughters, thanks, Maureen, met neighbours and friends.
0: Talk to Joe on 0818 Joe! Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joseph Brennan is also in
1: Donegal. Joseph, good afternoon.
16: Afternoon, Joe. How are you?
1: Good, thanks. Good, thanks. Well, How are you, more importantly?
16: Yeah, that's the thing. Like everybody else in Donegal, utterly and utterly shattered by what happened. I mean, I knew the shop. My place of work, or one of my places of work, is a base just across the road, 50 metres down the road. Um... And, you know, I, I so often went in there for a cup of coffee i meant devil for the coffee and a wee bun, and I went in there any time I was at my place of work. And I knew the lady. I didn't know her personally. I seen the picture, and I knew I recognized her immediately, yeah, uh, yeah. uh, the lady who worked in the shop.
1: But, and then
16: today, I mean, there's acres going to be written about this, and there'll be many words spoken. It's so hard to toss a few vowels and consonants together and get it right. But I just thought your intro today was so, so, so haunting. The official reading of the of the names by Superintendent Geraghty. the trains of the homes right. of Donegal, the homes of Donegal, oh, you know, yeah. and 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 the first line of the song that goes and talks of and it could be written for any phone station in Ireland yeah. or any wee shop. I just stepped in to see you all. Yeah. I'll only stay a while. Yeah. I rushed in to pay for the diesel to get the coffee. I'll only stay a while, except that for a lot so of people, know. you know, they didn't get out oh, and yeah. those homes were shattered forever. You know.
1: And I want to finish, okay. uh, thank you so much, Joseph, and I want to finish on those, those names again. But back to Mairead, Mairead Nguyenang in, in uh, the RNG studio in Donegal and Guido. Mairead, you have a piece to, to play, play us out on. on yes,
8: this. this is a piece I wrote through uh, COVID and I wrote it for my sister. It's called Ray and Polish, which means the time of light.
1: So you play that and then we we'll, uh, yes. do, uh, obviously, the most important thing is to remember the names of uh, the ten people who, who died uh, on Friday afternoon. And um, Ray Darcy will be up after that. Maread, yes. go to yes. meadamahagat, I right. and uh, the deepest condolences to you and, and I know you're, you're going through Chrysler an awful lot yeah. uh, on this, this very, very uh, difficult, difficult time. Thank you, Maread.
2: Consent of the families on Gardaí's corner can confirm the identities of the deceased as follows: James O'Flaherty, 48 years; Jessica Gallagher, 24 years; Martin McGill, 49 years; Catherine O'Donnell, 39 years, and her son James Monahan, 13 years; Hugh Kelly, 59 years; Martina Martin, 49 years. Robert Garway, fifty years, and his daughter Shauna Flanagan Garway five years and Leona Harper fourteen years of age. Ayeshte Gorevanomika Dealish Kulair. 818-715-815
0: 818-715-815 stays open until 315 p.m. Or email Joe at RTE.ie.